our good friend Tim Twentyman. Detroit Lions beat there. DetroitLions.com. Tim, my man. Hey, how are you? How's life? How are things, partner? Long time no talk. You ready for football season or what? I'm ready for a little summer break. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. A little summer break, Anthony, and then we'll get right back to it at the end of July. But it's uh, look. The NFL is uh, 365, 24 hours um, a day with the draft and the off season and everything else. So I'm I'm, I'm going to step away a little bit for about a month, but then I'm excited for what's about to be in Detroit at the end of July. Hey, I love I love a good break. I, I'm not gonna lie, I love a good break. So if you're gonna take a break, you know what? I should break with you. There we go. We're gonna take a month off. We'll reconvene uh, when camp rolls around. OTAs, uh, you know, there, every year it happens, right? Because it, it's such a controlled environment that it's really difficult. I would assume it'd be very difficult when you're there on a day to day basis to really kind of tell what what guys are able to bring to the table. But you've done this long enough, you can kind of see, you know, that hey, this guy might really, you know, this guy might really have the juice or so and so might be coming back from an injury and they might they might look like they were in tip-top shape where they were uh, beforehand. So I want to go with first on your OTA like list of like who would be your OTA all-stars? Like who are the guys that stood out to you? It's like wow, like eyes open. Yeah, this guy is is for real. Well, it's hard to evaluate the offensive defensive line with no pads. You know, that's the biggest one I think you don't get in, in, in the spring because there's so many rules about limited contact and no pads and everything else. And you can't evaluate offensive defensive linemen without the pads. And so, you know, pads aside, I think maybe I'll give you a veteran guy and a young guy. A veteran guy who has looked all the part to me is C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um, he's played in the slot. He's played in that safety um, in in um, team portions of practice in competitive periods because Tracy Walker's still finding his way back yet. And, look, he's getting hands-on footballs. Um, he's loud. Um, he talks trash. He brings energy. And I was talking with Jared about this the other day. It's, I asked him about the secondary. He said the word he described is stickier. It's a lot stickier. There's a lot um, fewer windows. There's a lot less separation. And this is coming from Jared Goff versus where the secondary was last year. So, you know, I think C.J. gardner Johnson's kind of been a ringleader for that. So, you know, that's one. And then, you know, on the offense side of the ball, and look, it, it, the rookies, you always have to take a step back and and understand that they're rookies, especially a rookie tight end. That, that to me, is the second-hardest position to come in and play well as a young guy outside a quarterback just because you essentially have to know three different positions. You've got to know the run fits. You've got to know all the protections. But Sam Laporta has looked really, really good in the springtime. I think he is earning a ton of trust with, with the quarterbacks, especially Jared Goff. And it seems like every day, Anthony, during open OTA, I write down number 87 as making a play again today. Had had one in a team period, tight window back in the end zone, got his feet down and, and scored for the offense. And it's been like a daily thing. I think that young man is going to have an opportunity to play early and, and make some early contributions. And, and we saw that maybe not individually, you know, the tight end, like the tight end as a unit was was really good last year. You know, even though there wasn't like that big, that big name, right? That trade from TJ Hawkinson had a lot of people, you know, scratching their heads. And it's like, oh, okay, we see that, yeah, we can kind of function. But then they go in the draft and say, hey, here's a, here's a player that we really like uh, that might have really, you know, made, you know, a lot of Lions fans kind of open their eyes a, a little bit. I want to go back to the secondary, though, because you mentioned CJ Gardner Johnson, and there's been a lot of talk about the amount of talk that that, that defensive backs group has had. When you look at it, 
this year and the addition of Emmanuel Mosley, Cam Sutton, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you draft Brian Branch. Oh, and by the way, Tracy Walker's coming back from injury. Tim, this is what I'm dealing with here on the radio. Somebody called me this morning and told me on, on the radio, they told me that we should trade Tracy Walker for a six-round pick. I about fell out of my chair. So I got to ask you, what have you been able to see from Tracy as he's coming back from injury? Because to me, it feels like the first time in a very long time that this secondary has legitimate, comfortable depth. Yeah, 100%. I mean, let's not forget Tracy Walker was the team's leading tackler in in 2021 over a hundred tackle guy and you know he is another guy who kind of brings that energy brings that juice he's the quarterback back there he's the leader he makes it all go he understands this system um he's versatile in the sense that he can play in the box he can play the deep safety you know now they've got kirby who who's going to play a little bit more of that deep safety role but um look he's a veteran guy that just understands where everybody has to be and what the operation should look like I think Kirby's going to benefit the most from having a veteran guy like him back now. Kirby can only you know, only has to worry about one half the field. And going into his second season, he's going to be a little bit more comfortable as well. I just think, you know, when, when you're looking at this secondary, you're saying, well, Kirby Joseph is probably our most inexperienced guy right now. And, and that's a guy who had four interceptions, led you and made all those plays as a rookie. Your secondary is in a pretty good spot. I mean, Cam's been solid. You know, we're going to get Emmanuel Mosley back sooner rather than later. CJ can play both the nickel and safety. Kirby's look good. I mean, Tracy's look good. I just... I, I would not trade Tracy Walker, um, certainly not for a six-round pick. I just I like the veteran presence. I like um, the leadership. He's a guy that all those guys in the secondary look to, and, and he's embraced that role. He's a team leader, and you need guys like that. Thank you. See, now now I feel vilified, and I can go on. I can walk out my my chest up, my chin held high. You know, head high, Anthony, head high. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, what did uh, Ron English used to say at Eastern Eastern Michigan? He said, "Tackle with your face, right? Keep your head up, right? Keep your eyes up, chin up." There, Jack Campbell, linebackers. I mean, how do we how do we evaluate that with no pads? Because linebackers are the guys that they got to bring the wood on these plays. Yeah, same deal. I think some of the stuff you can evaluate in the pass game probably more than the run game, obviously. Um, but I, I tell you what, uh, you know, a guy who's looked really good and a guy who multiple coaches have talked about is Derek Barnes. Um, and, and we talked to, to Coach Chet today, and he said, look, don't sleep on Derek Barnes. Derek Barnes was playing football last year, and he has come into this year um, you know, with, with a mindset that he ain't going to relinquish any snaps. He's not going to give up anything. If you're going to beat him out, you're going to have to beat him out. And, look, he's been taking all the number one reps with next to Alex Anzalone in, in the first team, and Shep's looking forward to that competition. And, and if, if last year taught Lions fans anything, it's that, it's, it's that Shep, and I'm talking about Calvin Shepard, the, the linebackers coach, he doesn't care where you were drafted, how you got here. He's going to play the best guys. Uh, Anthony, uh, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez was a six-round pick last year, and he ended up starting. And he did not care. And, and Shep made the point today, look, both Barnes and Anzalone texted him that night that they took Jack Campbell 18th, just kind of you know wondering where they stood, what the deal was. And, and Shep told him, look, the best guy's going to play. And Jack's going to have to earn um, his way onto the field. And I can tell you this from watching the spring, it's not going to be as easy as people think. Most people just think, yeah, he's the 18th pick. He just steps in and starts. Not in Detroit. Not in Shep's room. He's going to play the best guys, and that means he's got to beat a third, uh, beat out a third-year guy in Shep. He's got to beat out Malcolm Rodriguez, who's going into his second year. You and I both know players get better 
considerably better from their first to second season. I mean, even a guy like Germ um, is, you know, a veteran guy in this league who's in a second stint here in, in Detroit. And so I think there's going to be good competition in that room. And it, it, it's not just guaranteed that Jack Campbell steps in and, and is starting at one of the stacked linebacker spots, spots right next to Alex Anzalone week one. That, I mean, that should be music to Lions fans' ears right there because that, that, that I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. Best guy's going to be out there. Yeah, we drafted this position, but you're not just going to walk out here because we drafted you there. And if there's healthy competition, that's what this team needs to be able to make that next step. All right, Tim, now for the meat and the potatoes of this whole thing. You know, there was, a, there was allegedly a situation that took place in which Jared Goff was maybe a little animated trying to explain something to Jamison Williams, right? And we all know Jamo's got the suspension looming, so that is what it is. It's neither here nor there. But I feel like that is a normal sort of you know discourse that takes place in a camp scenario where if you're not on the same page and your quarterback is trying to tell you something, and for whatever reason, maybe you're getting it, maybe you're not getting it, maybe you made a mistake because of whatever the reason may be, He's allowed to yell at people like he's the quarterback. He's got all the pressure in the world on him. He's got to know where everybody's at at all times. I'm perfectly okay with that. Twitter seemed to be in an uproar over whatever took place between Jared Goff and Jamison Williams. Is that a non-story? Yeah, Twitter gets in an uproar over a lot of things. Let me just make that point. But no, it's nothing. I mean, Jared Goff's an eight-year vet. Um, and look, the thing about quarterbacks and head coaches in this league is they are evaluated on wins and losses. I don't care how many Pro Bowls you got, touchdowns, interceptions, all that was great for Jared Goff last year. But in the end, he is going to be um, evaluated on wins and losses, just like head coaches. And, and he hasn't had enough of those big wins, and he wants to get there. He sees where this team is. He sees the opportunity that this team has with with an NFC North that no longer has Aaron Rodgers. You know, Minnesota is moving on from some pieces. Chicago is still a young team. And he sees what's right there and the opportunity that's in front of them. And, and you know, this is the full-ranked offense last year that returns uh, the best offensive line of football, one of the two best offensive lines football that could be even better with, with big v-back so i think jared just sees it all and he's a leader and he's in his eighth year and he's the guy and if you're not on the same page he's gonna make sure you're getting on the same page that's called leadership that's called fire that's called want that's called grit that's what this culture is all about and so um you know i will say this you know jamo's gonna make some mistakes jamo's gonna drop some footballs um but jamo's also electric I mean, you give that kid just a little bit of a seam, and, and he's gone. And I think Jared sees that. He sees how much he can help. Um, but you've got to be on the same page, and the quarterback's the guy that makes sure that happens. Do you think that's why maybe there is so much scrutiny maybe on the outside around Jamison Williams is because he, you know, we drafted him when he was injured, you know, very limited action in, in year number one, you have the suspension looming. And now like I, I compared it to, you know, when a, when a, when a young person gets in trouble, like in second grade, right? If somebody gets in trouble or is late to getting somewhere, a teacher is going to pay more, uh, a closer attention to that individual student. And they're going to be under the microscope. I kind of feel like Jamison's catching some unnecessary flack here because he's under that microscope. So if he does drop a ball in camp, people are losing their minds because they're focusing on Jamison Williams and the fact that he's not going to be there for the first six weeks. You know, that's part of it. But here's the thing about the NFL that's that's maybe different than other sports, too, is that you've got a, a small amount of time to, to earn your keep in the NFL. This is not a league that waits around. There's no minor league system in the NFL. Um, and this team, team rosters change 
33 to 40% every single year. Um, and so you see a kid with that much potential and you're like, okay, when, okay, well now we're going to see it. Oh, no, there's a suspension. Okay. Now we're going to see it week seven. It's like, okay, you better see it. You know, it's a first round draft pick. They spent a lot of resources on him. Um, and, and he's got to produce. And so I think you've got to stop seeing some of the mistakes, seeing some more of the potential. And so, um, I think that's the big thing, the big thing when it comes to JMO, you just, you want to see it. Like when you, you're going to miss six games because of a suspension, you didn't produce a ton last year, even though some of that was obviously getting back from the knee. Um, you're getting paid obviously first round money. It's like your teammates and people want to see more of the positives than the negatives. And I think that's where we're at with JMO. People just want to see much more positives. Man, really, really well said there, Tim. Amon Ross St. Brown, it sounds like he's just continuing to get better, if that's even possible. I mean, he's a fan favorite. I mean, we love Amon Ross St. Brown. He'll go get the football. He'll block downfield. He catches everything, and he's still getting better. Yeah, he's still getting better. I mean, he's only going in his third year. I mean, he is still young. And I think one of the things I talked to him about this offseason is is putting more of the vertical game into into it, being more of a threat for him. You know, obviously he's that security blanket guy, that slot receiver, that guy that quarterbacks love, that they know if they need a big catch on third down, they need a first down. He's that guy. He's in the middle of the field. He knows how to operate. I think one of the things maybe a little bit untapped with, with, with Saint is, is some of those wheel routes, some of that stuff down the field, some more intermediate stuff. Uh, we showed on, you know, he showed on the reverse last year, the, the speed he's got to go down the sideline and that big run. And so I think they're going to maybe open up a few things vertically with him. You know, obviously with JMO missing the first six games um, and the ability of Jameer Gibbs to step in and kind of, you know, be a factor in the pass game. I've been really impressed with him when they put him out wide, when they put him in the slot, I think he's going to be a big part of the pass game. So I think that opens up St. Brown to maybe be a little bit more versatile, maybe move outside, move around, and maybe be more of a vertical threat. I think that's maybe the next step with St. It's not just the 100 catches and 1,100 yards and, and 10 touchdowns. It's maybe some of those big explosive plays that we haven't seen a whole ton of. It's been more kind of um, production than sizzle. Maybe we get to see a little bit more sizzle with St. going into 2023. Last one here for you, Tim, because I about fell out of my chair when I saw that Stephen A. Smith, of all people, was talking about the Detroit Lions. I mean, talk about national darlings. Hype train is real. Expectations are elevated. You know, the entire kind of world that fell in love a little bit with Dan Campbell and the lovable Lions here last season, especially that eight and two finish, knocking Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs, going for it. I mean, the, I mean, the Stones, I mean, fourth and eight on our own 26 at one point this season. We went for it. It's crazy. We got the highest paid punt in the league. We're still going for it on fourth down. I love that guy. But how does this team handle the hype right now? Because it is real. Yeah, it is real. And it, and look, the players enjoy it. Obviously, the players love the primetime games and the recognition and everything else. But you know, I think Jared said it best this offseason when somebody asked him about that and, and all the outside noise. And he said, look, we won nine games last year and we missed the playoffs. Like, we haven't accomplished anything. We haven't accomplished any of our goals. Like, yes, it was great. We played some good football down the stretch. You know, I, we've got, you know, a nice young roster. We had five rookies on defense who were contributed last year. You expect to be better there. Offensively, we were top five. We returned most, most guys. Like, yes, I understand it. But it, it, just because you played well in the last year doesn't mean that you're going to pick up where you left off last year. You've got to put in the work. And we've done nothing. 
Um, so yes, it's fun. It's great. All that stuff. But I, I get the sense that the players are kind of just putting their heads down and, and not listening to the noise because they know they really didn't do much of what they set out to do last year. And so you, you can't sit there and, and, you know, pat your chest and think you're something bigger than you are because the Lions haven't proved they are there yet. They hope to get there. And so to get there, they got to put their heads down and do the work. And I, and I sense that's more the attitude now in Park. He is the Detroit Lions senior writer, DetroitLions.com. You can find him on Twitter at T20Man. Tim Twentyman, my man, thank you so much for your time today, partner. We greatly appreciate it. And, hey, hey, head up, chest out, right? Break time's coming soon. Sounds good. Have a good rest of your night, Anthony.